You know, time is of the essence when identifying and resolving issues in your software. And our friends at Raygun are here to help. Their brand new alerting feature is now available for crash reporting and real user monitoring to make sure you're quickly notified of the errors, crashes, and front-end performance issues that matter most to you and your business. Set thresholds for your alert based on an increase in error count, a spike in load time, or new issues introduced in the latest deployment, along with custom filters that give you even greater control. Assign multiple users to ensure the right team members are notified with alerts linked directly to the issue in Raygun, taking you to the root cause faster. Never miss another mission-critical issue in your software again. Try Raygun Alerting today and create a world-class issue resolution workflow that gives you and your customers peace of mind. Visit raygun.com to learn more. Their simple usage-based plans start from as little as $4 per month with unlimited apps and users. That's raygun.com to start your free 14-day trial. Welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. How long have we been doing this stupid show? <laughs> almost, well, you've been doing it for almost 20 years. I'm yeah, the, you're pretty close. I'm the new guy. I only got only in Only 19 here years. Two, yeah, two, 2005, so <laughs> 17 years. Okay. But it was February of 2005 was episode 100. Yeah, that's right. That was a fun episode. Yeah, it's e- the odd odd shows are fun until you have to do eighteen of them. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> true. A little trickier, and we're, and we're just like, eh. uh, what do you want to do this time? I don't just, know. Just a milestone. What is it? It's no big deal. <laughs> well, we're staring another one in the face, right? We're fifteen episodes away from episode eighteen hundred. So we are, and uh, you know, we're feeling the like we want to get out there and meet our fans again yeah, and yeah. have a party and. We'll do that. But part of engaging with our fans is exactly what Better Know Framework is about. Well, so then play that funky music. White the boys. All right, man, what do you got? So Richard and I both are announcing right here, right now, that we're going to start using a live platform to record some of our podcasts. And it's called Bullhorn. And we've got an account, a page where you can go and uh, subscribe to us on Bullhorn. Go to bullhorn.fm slash dot net rocks, D-O-T-N-E-T-R-O-C-K-S. Or, you know, if you want to use the pwop me shortcut, 1785.pwop.me. But anyway, Bullhorn FM is this cool platform where you can log in with your phone and you can listen live on your phone. You can ask questions live on your phone, you know, with text. Mm-hmm. We could have callers if we wanted to, but we're not sure about that yet. But we certainly have a chat room and you can ask questions and we can field those questions and the guests can see the questions and we're going to have some polls and interactive stuff like that. It's going to be a whole lot of fun, right, Richard? Yeah, it's going to take some experimentation for us to figure it out. It's, it's new for us, too. But uh, yeah, you know what? We got a bunch of geeky folks working on this, so uh, yeah. the audience being part of that, we'll we'll figure out what it could do for us and what it makes sense. I'm very excited about the question part. You know, yeah, the, the idea that we, you know, sometimes you you miss a question ourselves, and so the chance to get that idea into the guest, make a better show, that's really exciting for me. 
Yeah, and this is a harkening back to what we used to do with Diamond back Rocks. In the old we used days. to do live, uh, you know, broadcasts while we recorded, and we had an IRC channel. All the kids are going, "What the heck is that?" And uh, yeah, it's an old school chat yeah. room, right? Yeah. And uh, it's we, like we Snapchat, had, only different, <laughs> right? And 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 you know, it was hard with a just a free for all kind of chat room because you you pay attention to that and then you're listening and you're paying attention and it's sort of but but bullhorn is cool because questions are succinct like they're they're explicit you have the chatter which we don't really pay attention to but if somebody wants to ask a question it's like a different button boom yeah yeah it'll be fun i'm looking forward yep. to it so that's what you got that's what i got that's what we both got so who's yeah. talking to us today richard hey i grabbed a comment off of show uh, 1781 which we just put out uh, part of our series of the 20th anniversary of .NET, which I think we did a pretty good job of. That was the show we did with Mark Miller, yep. our friend, and and was a, a riotous fun. Oh, it was great. Uh, and uh, S. Cruz said, I was reminiscing with my brother the other day about Windows Phone and its beautiful mm. hardware and operating system. I think it was Wozniak who said Windows Phone felt like a friend, and he was right. Mm. The problem with the OS was that friends that are built over time, that isn't well represented in the spur-of-moment sales opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, there's a long story about how sales went wrong for Windows Phone. It's That's a complicated story. Yeah, it's yeah. true. And so much of Microsoft's ambition has been built to build things that require investment on the part of the user, to yeah. really pay off. And it's unfortunate a lot of their tech has been overlooked as a result because of it. I think this was the case with Windows Phone. was still ahead of its competition. Well, I agree with that, that I think it was still ahead of its competition. And arguably today, it would be more interesting. Yeah. Uh, they're not going to chase markets now. And it's true. And it was interesting, you know, getting Mark, Mark Miller hates the, the all multicolored tiles and stuff because, you know, what, when you, it, it is a sort of a scatter technology, right? You yeah. have to sort of search for what you want. But uh, in in traditional UI for applications, that's you know contrast and color are are convey information. Whereas on that Windows Phone, they didn't. They were just yeah. But they consolidated contacts. They you know there were things that were really great about Windows Phone, and that's what I loved. Yeah, the uh, yeah. I did, I never had a problem with the color. I understand why Mark would, but uh, yeah, it was still uh, a unique device. And you know, I got still got my old nine fifty sitting over there. I think it's still I got mine too, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so S. Cruz, thank you so much for your comment. A copy of Music to Go By is on its way to you. And if you'd like a copy of Music to Go By, write a comment on the website at .netrocks.com or on the Facebooks. We publish every show there. And if you comment there and I read it on the show, we'll send you a copy of Music to Go By. And definitely follow us on Twitter. I'm at Carl Franklin. He's at Rich Campbell. Send us a tweet. And definitely notch up the contrast or we might miss it. <laughs> High <laughs> contrast tweets. <laughs> <laughs> somewhere somebody's going what what i missed what <laughs> where do i set that <laughs> yeah okay uh very very happy to uh introduce dan walmsley to the show uh to talk about abalonia uh, dan has been a net developer for over 15 years as of this recording anyway he specializes in cross-platform ui technology and has been developing and maintaining the .NET cross-platform UI framework, Avalonia, for over eight years. Man. Welcome, Dan. Hey, great to, great, to, great to be here. Thank you. Great to have you. What was it like playing in Prince's band? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> was that was Apollonia? Kidding. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, yeah, totally different <laughs> reference. <laughs> eight years. 
it's hard to at first time on the show. So a sorry, we probably should have mm-hmm. had you on before this. Yeah. Uh, but also, why is why suddenly client technology is very hot? Mm-hmm. Like everybody's talking about and concerned about front end clients. What do you is that? Are you having that experience too, Dan? Yeah, in the last eighteen months has been a huge explosion and. Well, when we were really first getting getting going, there was very little in .NET for cross-platform UI. Sure. Mm. Xamarin was around, uh, which is a great f- uh, framework for mobile, and we wanted something for desktop. There was very little to go with back then, eight years ago. Yeah, you know, before Microsoft really got the whole cross-platform thing and yeah. So 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 right off the bat I want to just uh disambiguate between um Avalonia and some other frameworks. For one, your XAML is not built on UWP or WPF, right? It's its own flavor of XAML that goes everywhere. Yeah, it is its own flavor. Um Avalonia it's very much like a cousin to WPF, so quite a lot of it is compatible and very, very similar to WPF. But the, we, we early on, we took a design decision to basically say, hey, if we were actually developing WPF today, but we were actually developing it as cross-platform rather than a Windows technology, hmm. what would we do differently? And that's mainly where we've made changes. So why why not base it on UWP like some of these other frameworks have? Um, well, um, primarily we wanted to we wanted to have the flexibility of to make the API decoupled from Windows. Hmm. So yeah, there's certain concepts that apply to Windows that are difficult to apply on maybe Linux or or Mac, and you can try a different abstraction that gives you something that's functional and more easier to work with on all the different uh, operating systems. Yeah. And those operating systems are? Um, on desktop, Windows, uh, Linux, and Mac. And on Linux, there's like, you know, <laughs> a million different flavors of Linux, yeah. <laughs> which is uh, pretty challenging. But over the eight years that we've been working on this, we've learned a lot and from that, I th- think that we probably um, support the widest range of Linux distributions. Hmm. There's not been one that we haven't been able to get it to run on so far. Wow. And is it really different distros or is it the different GUIs, right? Like I've got to think for you, implementation against KDE and GNOME and what is it? Cinnamon budgie? Like <laughs> <laughs> pick a pick a word. There's probably yeah. a GUI for, from Linux for it. But also IoT devices, right? Yeah. Um, a lot of people are uh, picking up Avalonia for kind of uh, really low-level embedded devices because it, it can actually work without a window manager at all. It can just render to frame buffer. So um, people wow. are using Raspberry Pis and some things that are even lower powered than Raspberry Pis, and they're, they're able to get fairly good results from it. And then, of course, iOS and Android, the two biggie mobile things. Yeah, yeah. Um, we have iOS and Android. They're kind of more at a, a beta stage. In a few months, we're planning to release our 11.0, which will be like our first major, major production-ready release. And we're hoping to finally have iOS and Android fully ready 
for that. Do when you're working with iOS and Android, do you find that it's really difficult because of the way that the totally different way that some of these services are implemented on the platform? Like for example, notifications, completely different on iOS and Android, requiring you know account different accounts and different services that need to be set up behind the scenes. Are, are you f- falling into that um, category of problem? Are your problems into that category? Well, on Avalonia, we mainly co- cover the UI part. So people can still use like the Xamarin APIs for all the kind of notifications and integration with the operating system. Well, that's interesting. Wow. So uh, Xamarin Forms is kind of evolving into MAUI. Will, that, will you be able to use the MAUI you know, below the UI? Uh, the Maui libraries as well? It's hard to say because um, I haven't had a chance to fully look at what they're, they're doing there. Mm-hmm. But the low-level the low level non-UI APIs, I guess, yeah. the APIs that deal with the, the actual platform, mm-hmm. they can be used alongside Avalonia. So you can... Right. I, I, get, I guess the, the way you can describe it is that um, you may... Avalonia is best suited when you've got primarily a desktop application sure. and you want to take that to mobile. Um, right. So you, you can then share uh, UI that adapts to mobile uh, without fully rewriting your UI. You don't have to, to, to write separate views for that. Um, where, whereas I, I guess Xamarin, that was like mobile first and Maui's kind of taking that to desktop. So it's like we're both going mm-hmm. in the opposite direction. Yeah. Interesting. You, you're kind of coming desktop down to mobile and they're doing mobile trying to scale up the desktop. Yeah. So and you I, would say most of your users are, are doing desktop applications then? Yeah. Right now, most uh the bulk is uh, desktop applications. Um, and we, we recently... Um, released like a first beta of uh, Wasm to support the browser, mm-hmm. um, nice. which I, I initially thought that oh people wouldn't touch it because it was kind of a bit rough around the edges, and immediately everybody is like <laughs> doing yeah. demos on it and stuff, and uh, it's been pretty crazy. Nice, and and but they're still uh, are they are they still coding in JavaScript and then just calling into the to the Avalon UI through Wasm? Well, you can include JavaScript in your application, but you can, if you want, you can do everything in in C sharp and You're XAML, right. or even just C sharp. You don't have to use the XAML part, but okay, or C sharp, C sharp and Avalonia. Basically, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I also think you guys have got a real strong presence in Unity, which I I think is unique amongst the UI spaces. Like I've seen a bunch of folks talking about using Avalonia and Unity. Yeah, well, I've seen uh, quite a few people have been using it in like game engines. Mm-hmm. I've seen some demos of people who have integrated it into Unreal Engine. I'm not a gamer myself, so I don't fully understand the use cases there. Right. But um, I guess in a lot of games, you have user interfaces and yes, yeah, settings, dialogue, you know, yeah. setup stuff, like that kind of thing. I think where you need some forms over data kind of representations, and then it, it's you've got to solve that somehow and. It seems uh, like Avalonia might be a might be a solution to that. I haven't done it, but you know wherever C sharp goes, right? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of a case where you build something and then other people take it and they they 
they start using for something that you didn't even know existed, you know? <laughs> and of course, all open source. You got uh, plugins for Visual Studio, plugins for Rider, which is cool. Yeah, yeah. So actually, uh, JetBrains, they, um, they use Avalonia in some of their products now. Nice. And um, basically, because they're developers, they wanted to have... They wanted to use their own IDEs and tools, but they wanted to get the best quality experience. They pretty much built Avalonia baked into Rider. There's a plugin to get the preview apart, but all the XAML and um, refactoring and IntelliSense, they, they built, baked it straight in. Um, and that was mainly because they needed it for themselves, but obviously mm-hmm. it's been really great for anybody that wants to use Avalonia and use their products. Um- one one thing that I'm trying to figure out from the context of what you're talking about is, um, are you using any version of .NET that is required for the app, .NET Framework or .NET Core, .NET 5, .NET 6? Are there limitations there? Well, when we first started, it was um, like mono and full um, traditional .NET, I guess you can call that now. Right. Um, and then, uh, so basically... Uh, we still run on those, um, but now with .NET Core, .NET 5, .NET 6, obviously we support the, the latest ones as well. So oh, good. I think any flavor of .NET we we run on. That's really, really good to hear. Yeah, and it's interesting to come from Mono, like in, in, in the Linux world viewpoint on this, uh, you know, just gives it a different flavor. Like you're very tolerant to multiple ways to render things. You said... Uh, like going down to Raspberry Pi level, that you can render without a window. Like, talk about how this works on on Raspberry Pi on really lightweight hardware. Sure. So basically, you can get like an absolute minimal um, Linux distribution where pretty much absolutely everything is stripped out, and mm-hmm. um, you it basically gives you like a handle, I guess, to a to a, a frame buffer and um, that gets passed to Avalonia and it, it literally just takes over the raw pixels on the screen. It just <laughs> literally just writes straight to the, uh, directly to the, the screen. But you're still doing, you're still writing XAML to do that. Oh yeah. It, the developer experience that for you to develop the application to run there is no different. So you can, you can run the application on your desktop in a window, um, then deploy it onto Raspberry Pi or some, some, yeah, and it will just do the right thing. It will just run in the, the frame buffer. How cross-platform is this? Like, if I ma- if I've made a Windows version in Avalonia and I go run it on the Pi, are there just pieces that won't render, or you know, with with the limitations of Pi, is it just a size thing? So the all of the controls and um, that are um, in Avalonia, they're mm-hmm. all. Fully, Avalonia fully renders its own controls. Right. So once a control runs on Avalonia on desktop, it will run everywhere to Avalonia. All run. the way down to that, to the lightest gear. It might not be fast, <laughs> depending on the control, but, you know, and there's, uh, not all pies are made equal either. Right? <laughs> like no, no. So, and, and because more and more people have been trying that out, that's pushed us to do more and more optimization. So, right. It, 
it, it gets faster all the time. Yeah, no, if you can make it run on a pie, it'll be smoking on a, you know, yeah. eight core <laughs> Xenon. So by the way, Dan, you might want to remove the pork chop that's hanging on your door because the dogs <laughs> are coming for it. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, there's a, my neighbors, there's a lot of dogs around in my, where I live. <laughs> that's right. That's what makes live uh, podcast recording charming, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's just, they, the dog, the cascade of barks. I haven't, my old dog's here behind me, so, but he's not going to make too much noise. He's pretty quiet. Uh, I, I'm fascinated just because, you know, you would think coming from the desktop level, you would be pretty heavy, but I think it's that Linux flavor of you just don't know what Linux is going to be running on. So you, you stay very light. And, uh, and, and so it serves all these different platforms. Well, I have faith. I now am pretty excited to see what you can do in iOS and Android because it seems like it's hard to come from desktop down to mobile. But, uh, with, if you can run on Pi, heck, Android's got all the muscle in the world. Well, the big problem for me isn't running on all these platforms. It's, because you know, let's face it, HTML is cross-platform, but but the, it's the integration with the the services on the hardware that where you, that's where you have to do you have to drop down right to the individual platforms. As I was talking about, notifications is a particularly hard one because it requires different accounts and different services to be called and maintained on all these different platforms. Um, so I, I mean that that to me is the is where the real cross platform problems begin. But that's as you said, not your concern because as long as you're giving developers access to that lower level, you know, now they have to fill in the blanks. And it's just the nature of the beast that you have to do these, you know, under the UI things cross platform because of the nature of the device. Sure. And even on um even on desktop, people still have access to the native APIs, you know, so you, you can do, you can add, uh, customization specifically for Windows or specifically for Mac. Right. Same with, uh, mobile. You can go, you can go right down to the native APIs if you need to. Sure. So stuff like the G, like GPS and cameras and things like that that exist consistently on phones, you're not going to have any problem accessing any of that. I don't think so. Um, because, yeah, I, the the way it will work on 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 mobile is that the the APIs for all those those kind of services that you get on the the phone, other people and other libraries they've already solved that that problem. So, in in our case, we probably rely on uh, Xamarin. Um, the thing that Avalonu really gives you is the way that the controls and the UI are drawn. Um, will work without um, really without modification across all of the, the platforms. Mm, right. Yeah, it's always a question when you build these clients of how much how much client code is common between all the platforms and how much is if Raspberry Pi, if Android. Like, I, I don't know if you have any sense of that. Yeah, sure. So um, well, I can give you an example. There's... Um, have you heard of uh, Plastic SCM? They are a like a source control manager. I know the name, but what, yeah, what the this is version control system. Yeah, they're like a source control management system, um, a bit like Git. Um, mm-hmm. They are uh, they're like a, a the company is like a subsidiary of Unity, right? And they. Um, 
they have ported their product to Avalonia. So Interesting. before they they had like a a team specifically to do the UI on Mac, another team to do the UI on Linux, and another oh, team to do the UI on Windows. And hmm. uh, when they came to us, they were they were kind of saying, "Oh, you know, like they want to add a feature, but we got to do the feature three times and then find out that it can't be done on one of the <laughs> the platforms." And they it, it's taken them a year to to move over to Avalonia, but now they have all their code is 100% shared between the three platforms. Yeah. The, the UI code, and they've been able to unify their team, and now they're just working on adding new features, and it's really... Well, and what a money saver, right? Mm. Like, that's a lot of people. Yeah. Time, money. <laughs> yeah. All that debugging, you know, angry customers because the features aren't identical between devices. You know, the guy with the eye, you know, the guy on the Linux desktop does it one, does it and works that way. And then, yeah, in the Windows, it's like, well, this isn't the same. Like, it, it's really interesting to get into that battle. Uh, and, you know, this, any, anybody we've ever talked to who is doing native development across multiple mobile devices, same problem. It's like, how do I sync these versions between iPhone and Android? Mm hmm. So yeah, you know, I think you're taking a, a serious problem off the table by having this unified uh, development experience. Well, uh, we'll pause for this very important message, and we'll be right back. Hey, Carl. Yeah. Today's sponsor is Raygun, and we're had the good fortune to have JD Trask on the line with us today. Imagine that. Hey, JD. Howdy, guys. <laughs> I'm going to put on my enterprise hat today, uh, JD, and ask you a bit about why folks should be logging. Like, what's important about logging a website or an app server? Well, the first thing is actually to have the data to understand the extent of any issues. So mm -hmm. an extremely common thing we see, particularly from mature sort of customers with uh, later stage products, is that they think there can't be that many issues because I haven't heard much from my customers about them. And what we've found is that typically less than 1% of users will ever actively tell you there's a problem. And so a common scenario is you start doing this and you go, oh, my goodness, the whole house is on fire. <laughs> I, didn't even, I didn't even know and nobody was telling you yeah yeah and that honestly to, in my view that is the beginning of getting value out of tools like raygun is just at least understand the facts of where you are so then you can improve over time yeah gee our traffic is really low i wonder why it's amazing that they don't come back and tell you that they didn't have a good experience they just Go away. Well, that's right. I mean, we have so much choice today in the world. It is so easy to jump away. I remember reading an e-commerce book in the late 90s, and obviously I didn't pay enough attention or I would be the founder of Amazon. But the point was, you know, <laughs> everything is just one click away. You don't even have to walk to the next shop, right? You right. can just do a search. There's the answer. There's the alternative. We have to compete on quality. Yeah, my screen's big enough. I'm already searching on the other site while your site's still running. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for making Raygun. We use it at .NET Rocks. And um, if you want more information on Raygun, just go to raygun.com and check it out. Hey, it's Carl Franklin. That's my friend Richard Campbell over there. Howdy. And uh, we're talking to Dan Walmsley about Avalonia. And um, one of my questions is, I'm looking through the documentation, and I noticed that you're taking a dependency on um, reactive UI to do um, change notifications? Yeah, we, we have um, support for reactive UI. It's up, you don't have to use it and it's okay. not in the core part of the framework. Um, the reason why we have a reactive UI package is because 
most of the XAML applications, you typically want an MVVM framework to yeah. get started quickly. And um, with Reactive UI, um, it, it kind of gets you started a lot quicker out, out of the box just because it comes with um, like the, the templates that we have. You start a new project, it adds the reference to avalonia.reactiveui and then you mm-hmm. can quickly just add com- commands and properties. And-, and your view model um, inherits from reactive object and then you can just handle the set, call raise yeah. and set have changed. Yeah. So but of course you can use any uh any MVVM framework of your sure. choosing. It's, but you just like you like it because it's done, it works, and why not? Sure, sure. Yeah. Um and sometimes sometimes it can be a little bit heavy and um some of the advanced features. But when you when you stick with like the commands and the property notifications, it's pretty convenient and so some of us have been trying out the new Windows Community Toolkit recently. They got um, source generated properties now, and that that works with Avalonia as well, and that's really cool. Uh, so, first of all, I, I really like the fact that you sort of took WPF as your default template rather than, you know, Xamarin Forms or UWP uh, for XAML. But one thing that drives me absolutely crazy about WPF is binding. Sure. <laughs> so how do you guys um, approach binding and have you simplified the, the language in any way? Um, or is it still just complex by the nature of being XAML? Sure. Well, um, what, when we actually started Avalonia, we didn't have XAML at all. Right. It was um, the, the guy that actually was, opened the the first commits on the repo um isn't a fan of xaml and he originally thought that it would end up being like code only just to declare ui in in code Mm -hmm. but obviously a lot of people (laughs) Mm. like xaml so people um in the end we built like a xaml compiler so yeah it, it works the same as um wpf but the bindings are compiled so it's not using it can use a reflection, but we built and support to compile the bindings to to give you good performance. It means that um, at build time, you get to find out that, oh, the property doesn't exist or the, the type is wrong or something like that. Mm-hmm. So that catches right. a lot of the problems with, um, with WPF. Less surprises. You know, you know, you're going to, you know, the problems in advance so you can get on it. Yeah. 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 Sometimes with WPF, the, the, I remember that the, the problems were that you wouldn't find out about it until runtime. And then you might get some log messages about, yeah. oh, this property was missing or it didn't find it. But we've compiled the compiled bindings in Avalonia that, that problem goes away. That's good. Also, just the complexity of paths and, uh, you know, the, the, the whole language of binding, once you use those curly braces within curly braces and curly braces, it's, it really oh, is, yeah. it's really mind numbing. And that's one of the reasons that I don't like it. How many controls have you guys got? 40? It could be. I don't know the count. You know, it's got, we got all the standard controls, buttons, right. text boxes, sliders, progress bars, uh, data and you, and you can make your own if you're that enthusiastic, right? It's a, <laughs> Yeah, basically, it's pretty easy to to just to to make your own. And in fact, 
if you need a control, many people, you, you'll find a control for WPF. Um, if it's not like a, a data grid or something like that, it's mm-hmm. not going to take you very long to, to modify it to work on Avalonia. Mm. Yeah. Oh, interesting. So you could just adapt it and, and get, you get to a point where it'll render properly with Avalonia. Yeah. Most, most controls, it's not, it doesn't take much effort to, hmm. it's pretty much just renaming a few things. Right. Name just matching and, the, the, yeah. the, the, the various versions of XAML, right? That whole, I yeah. don't know, we <laughs> named that differently. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> there was some attempt, um, maybe a couple of years ago for a XAML standard. Yes. Kind of, I remember that. That yeah. went well, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Those were the days. Well, and I wonder now that, well, with Microsoft coming together, to me, Maui looks like XAML standard by my, for Microsoft. Well, it's XAML Hopefully, forms XAML. Yeah, right. so the, the, you know, going into the XAML forms flavor. So maybe that's an opportunity to say, okay, this is effectively the standard mm. uh, for that working. Yeah. Uh, how do you guys make money? Like, I, I appreciate it's all open source and downloadable. It doesn't <laughs> look like there's a commercial version. Like, uh, how you've been around for eight years. You must be able to live. Yeah, well, the first, uh, I guess, six years, we were doing this all out of our own um, just voluntary. Wow. It started off as just like, a, you know, a project. And, you know, it's like you you, you start swimming the across the sea, you know, You've, you've got so far, As you, you, do. Know, you can't, you can't go back, you know, so, yeah. <laughs> um, but eventually as demand grew, uh, companies started wanting to use it. They were asking for support. Um, they're the kind of main three developers. We set up a small, um, startup company. Um, it's pretty much been going for two years now. Oh, good. But um, people have been able to buy support from us. Right. And uh, they've paid us to consult, give them consulting and port- porting applications. And that's pretty much, it's paid the bills just about. Right. Good. It's kept but us it's, going. Yeah, but it's so very much the traditional open source. Hey, the product's free, the support costs money. Sure, sure. Yeah, and that's great. You know, as long as you have enough folks so they're on board that you can uh, keep fed, you can keep working away on it and uh, and don't get into too crazy a schism around, you know, what do I, what, do I spend time on features? Do I spend time on support? Like, that's always a battle. Yeah, it's a huge battle for us. And we, we actually have, like, a really quite a big community. So mm-hmm. we, when you go into, we got... Um, chat rooms on Discord, Gitter, and Telegram. When you go on there, there's usually, depending on which time of day you're there, there's up to about 100 people online at any one time. And you can usually, um, if you don't want, if you don't have the need to pay for support, you can get answers pretty quickly. There's a lot of people now that have got a lot of knowledge and they, they sit around answering people's questions. So Nice. So community support too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you can get a long way without, without paying any money, but then the, I guess the bigger companies, they tend to have bigger demands and they want more security that they yeah. can get help as soon as possible. So that's, that's usually when, when the company comes in. Now I've worn in the enterprise architect hat enough to know, no, 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 we need to pay somebody 
whose throat we can choke when there's a problem. <laughs> you know, but that's yeah. really it, uh, not an unreasonable standard to just go, it can't just be that there's nobody. Uh, back you, in you the know, we, we have a commitment. Back in the early days, Richard, remember when, you know, Linux was a dirty word to Microsoft and open mm-hmm. source was like, ah. We uh, used to joke that, you know, um, well, we can call support, but it has to be after three because that's when he comes home from school. yeah so i mean you know it wasn't as professional a deal as it is now hey uh you said that the um ios and android support is kind of in beta and um i'm wondering what that looks like in terms of a roadmap and do you have a, a big demand for for those platforms like where is it right now where's it going yeah, so at the moment, um, it's difficult to to promise any release dates, but we are aiming for, um, I think it will be like May, May time, end of May. Um, that will be when we've first launched the what we would consider stable support for mobile. Um, it, it basically works right now. The main thing is integration with uh, like text input. So that's what we're busy oh. working on now, get, making sure it works properly with the keyboard. And, mm. um, all that well, I, and I imagine you got a device regression challenge too. Like, does it work with everything? I think with iOS, it certainly will do. Uh, Android, there's so many different devices. It's, yeah. Time will tell. Do you, is there a beta version we can try right now if we want to? By the time the episode goes out, yes. <laughs> ah, good. Okay. And so this is coming out on St. Patty's Day. Yeah, there you go. March, yeah, March 17th. 17th. So where we go, just avalonia.io? Uh, AvaloniaUI.net? AvaloniaUI.net. And then mm-hmm. that, that will link you to GitHub as well. Um, and there's instructions there. You can... Um, We've got .NET templates, so you can just go to the command line, .NET new, Avalonia. Um, it create a Excellent. A project and a lot of focus on the MVVM pattern is sort of the normal way people use Avalonia. Yeah, because it's um, based very closely to how WPF was. It yeah. inherits all of that. But it's not, um, you're not forced to go down that route. It probably yeah. works works best that way. Um, but there, there's another kind of group of people that work on F sharp support for Avalonia. Oh, yeah. So it's like Avalonia Funk UI and they, um, they have all the kind of functional programming model for Avalonia. So there's kind of many different ways of actually using it. Well, and it's interesting. The F sharp guys have their own thing, right? Like how. How, that, how they want to do things too. So it's cool that it, they're they're being successful making Avalonia work for for F sharp just to make it functional. Yeah, yeah. So they've they've basically thrown away the MVVM part, and honestly, I can't remember what the the MV something is that they use, but they got a different MVU maybe. It MVU, is. yeah, yeah. So that's model view uppity. It is F sharp. <laughs> okay, I, no, no, that's not right. <laughs> Uh, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, here I found it. I'll include a link to the show here, but this sort of, fu- yeah, funk UI uh, kind of approach. 
Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, what's interesting here is just like all these different communities have come in on, uh, on, uh, uh, Avalonia and made things work for themselves. That's cool. Very cool. So what's next besides continuing to work on the, uh, mobile versions? What's next for you? What's in your wheelbox? Wheelbox? So, box. yeah, we are currently, we're working on, um, this release that I'm talking about in May is going to be pretty much, uh, it's going to be pretty big. So we're working really hard on this new rendering system for Avalonia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It basically, the way I can describe it is it gives you the rendering capabilities that, uh, UWP brought, um, kind of composition and, uh, um, animations that run on render thread and lighting shadows. Um, It opens up all of that. It's very similar um, API to windows composition, but cross platform. And um, we've also, we're also finishing off things like accessibility, um, um, IME. So full integration with uh, all the different, languages with full uh, rich um, text input. Mm. Um, Yeah, and uh, browser support with WASM. Um, So, yeah, these are basically the the main things that we're trying to bring in the the, the next release. Just working your way through the whole stack. Piles of issues here. Like, the people are all in on ideas and things they can things to work on like they you've got certainly got folks that are are keen to get new enhancements on it yeah we get a lot of issues people requesting things and um obviously we try and encourage the community to get involved and talk to us and try and open pull requests and a lot of people do um it's well, sometimes a ton support. of contributors like you said there's three yeah. of you but see, holy man, there's a lot of people who have written code on this. Mm. Well, in the beginning, there was three of us. Right. But now um, I think there's something like 12 people that are pretty much um, are f- all the time, like the core mm-hmm. developers, the core maintainers, I, I guess you could call it. But there's there's over, what, maybe 200, 210 yeah. But yeah, and I recognize the shape of this. Like I can see the three of you with your thousands of commits, but then you have a big block of hundreds of commits, and that's yeah. really exciting. Like wow, lots of, and and hopefully they're consumers of Avalonia trying to make Avalonia better. That's that's a yeah. really healthy community, and then it trails off into you know people add their thing. Eventually, you get to a place where it's just cool to say you had a you had a PR at, at Avalonia, right? You add that to your resume. Yeah, and it's it's very you can use Avalonia. Oh, you find a missing control or a mm-hmm. missing feature or a bug. It's not too difficult to to go and fix it yourself most of the time because right. most of the control layers of Avalonia it's written in the same way that you're writing your application anyway. So you can just go in there, look at the code. It should be familiar. It's only the really like low level stuff, like the rendering systems that are a bit more complex, but mm. yeah, all the way back to 2013. So you're coming up on 10 years uh, since the original check-in. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> wow. 
Congratulations, yeah. Dan. It's it's an amazing project. I, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm vaguely embarrassed. We haven't had you on before. Completely embarrassed. People need to know about this. <laughs> this is a great implementation of XAML that lots of people are happy with. Yeah. It's like been just an unsung secret, and I'm glad to we, glad you guys are getting a one. Uh, great to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks, Dan. Thank you. Thanks for uh, spending this almost hour with us. It's been great. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. It's been really good. All right, and we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Plop Studios a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter van.